Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yo ho, yo ho, a pirate's life for me. Guy, I'm sorry. I don't know why I started this episode like that. I just had this fixation of coming in here with a little Jack Sparrow action. I just, guys, just, okay, let's just cut it and we'll just start over. What's going on, guys? <laughs> oh, man. I, listen, I'm in a good mood right now. I know, I know the Celtics lost a week ago and it's absolutely depressing and abysmal, but today's episode's not going to be like that. I had so many people come up and say, oh, Murph, it was a crazy episode being all depressive and stuff and, and sad about the Celtics losing. And that it was, that it was. And I hope you were able to find a little bit of enjoyment out of it, but I know I certainly didn't because the Celtics lost. But anyways, we've had probably the past month or so, it's just been hard Celtics conversation. So I'm not going to lie, you know, as much as I did sit here and enjoy talking about the Celtics and their push to the playoffs and this and that, it will be nice to talk about some different other topics. And today's episode, we're going to definitely dive into some Red Sox baseball because they've been absolutely on fire. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. They're currently sitting at 39 wins with 31 losses. So they're eight games over 500 and playing absolutely crazy baseball, baseball out of their minds for that matter. So I can't wait to dive into that. But first of all, how are you guys doing today? Hopefully you had a fantastic work week as today is Friday and with Friday comes the weekend. First official weekend of summer 2022. So hopefully you guys can go out and enjoy that, whether that's at the beach, at festivals, carnivals, uh, card shows even, or Merce Card Town and Sports Shop. Whatever works best for you guys. Um, but definitely enjoy the first weekend of summer if you can. It is going to be blazing hot here in the New England, Rhode Island area. It's going to be 90 degrees both Saturday and Sunday. So if you guys want to come on down to the shop to cool down, you're more than welcome to. The AC will be on. It will be brisk and it will be chilly. Definitely a great way to cool down with the summer heat from the first weekend of summer. But besides that, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're having a fantastic day so far, and I can't wait to dive into today's episode, episode number 148 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Very exciting as we loom 150 episodes. That will be sometime in the middle of July. But without further ado, oh, before, actually, hold on, with further ado, I should say, uh, definitely give the shop a follow on social media at Murph's Card Town on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, please give the shop a a sub down below as I would greatly appreciate the love and support that way as well. Okay, now without further ado, now without further ado, let's talk about the Red Sox and their crazy stretch of games where they're just 
winning series left and right, left and right. They won the series. They swept the Tigers. They won two of three from the Cardinals. They won two of three from the Athletics. They won two of three from the Mariners. They won two of three from, I'm sorry, three of four from the Angels. They swept the Athletics at the beginning of the month. They The last series they didn't win was a split with the Reds the end of May, June 1st. So crazy, crazy month for the Red Sox so far as we're winding down the last week or so here in June. And the Red Sox have definitely heated up in lieu of the weather heating up as well. But I don't want to just sit here and talk about the Red Sox and such. We do have a lot to talk about them. But there's something I really, a story that I really want to dive into. And this is an article from NBCSports.com. And it is titled, Red Sox GM identifies key roster need as MLB trade deadline nears. So for those that don't know, the Major League Baseball trade deadline is July 31st. And that is, I don't know what day that is. That What day is that? That is a Sunday. That is a Sunday. I know last year they moved it because I think it was on a Saturday. So I don't think they're moving it this year with it being on a Sunday. But this is an article written by Darren Hartwell. This article came out 22 hours ago, so almost a fresh day. And I'm very excited. Very, very excited. But the article, nonetheless, has great information. And I think that would be very, very important to go over. So let's just get into the article. Don't look now, but the Boston Red Sox are legitimate playoff contenders. And they need to act like it over the next month plus. After a dismal 10-19 start to the 2022 campaign, the Red Sox enter Thursday, eight games over 500, which they won. Now they're nine. And in, in the second American League wildcard spot, thanks to a 16-4, and four, now 17-4, and four, record in their last 21 games. The turnaround means they should be buyers ahead of the year's August 2nd MLB trade deadline. Okay, so they did move it. They did move it in lieu of uh, the deadline being on the weekend, which they never used to do before, but now they've been doing it. So which position should they target? Ranking the top 10 potential Red Sox trade deadline targets. That's a link, but I do want to finish the article first because it's a good little read. Uh, Red Sox general manager Brian O'Halloran identified relief pitching as an area of focus during an appearance Thursday on WEEI's The Greg Hill Show. Quote, yeah, that is certainly a possibility, O'Halloran responded when asked if Boston may look to trade for a reliever. Quote, when you talk to contending teams every year around the trade deadline, almost all of them want to improve their bullpen. So it's an area that you can almost always improve. Quote, we have had some ups and downs there, but we've had some good performances. So we'll see how that goes. Um, furthermore, quote, up and down is an accurate description of the Red Sox bullpen, which has blown more saves, 14, than all but one AL team, the Tampa Bay Rays this year. Former All-Star closer Matt Barnes allowed 15 runs in 17 innings before hitting the injured list, while top reliever Garrett Whitlock, Whitlock is also sidelined with a right hip injury. Manager Alex Cora has patched together the late innings with a combination of Tanner Houck, Matt Strom, Jake Dykeman, John Schreiber, and Hansel Robles, and those relievers have found success during Boston's hot streak. But the Red Sox may need more consistent firepower if they're bullpen, in the bullpen if they want to be serious contenders. Quote, definitely an area that we're watching, O'Halloran said of the relief pitcher market. Quote, when you want to win a championship and want to make the postseason, you have to be able to hold leads, end quote. There should be no shortage of bullpen talent available over the next month. 
with the Pittsburgh Pirates right-hander David Bednar, Detroit Tigers righties Michael Fulmer and Andrew Chafin, Chicago Cubs right-hander David Robertson, and old friend Daniel Bard among potential names to monitor. Dealing for a quality relief pitcher would require O'Halloran and Chief Baseball Officer Hein Bloom to part with talented prospects. However, so it will be very interesting to see how aggressive Boston is on the trade market between now and August 2nd, with relief pitching likely a top priority. Now, to get relief pitches at the deadline, especially those on expiring contracts, it's not very cheap at all. We've seen teams countless times do it over and over again. The Red Sox, the Yankees, the Cubs, the, the Astros even. Teams are known to do it. The Dodgers. You can get them for fairly cheap, especially if they're on expiring contracts. But if they're not, then maybe you do have to give up uh, a quality prospect or two and just to bring them in. But yes, the Red Sox do have a lot of decisions to make between now and the trade deadline. I just want to double check that it is on August 2nd this year. Um, because August 1st is a Monday. Yeah, falls on. But that seemingly is trade speculation day. It's time. Da 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 da. Okay. That's so weird, though, that August 1st is a Monday, but eh, whatever. Okay, August 2nd it is. But let's go to that little link that I was talking about earlier ranking the top 10 potential Red Sox deadline targets. And this is in a separate article, but I still think it's something that we should cover here. Ranking the top 10 potential Red Sox trade tar deadline targets. This is an article that came out on June 21st by Justin Legger. And it is a very good little read here, completely separate from the article we were just talking about as this came out three days ago. But this is also another article that I want to go over because with the trade deadline looming in just about five weeks or so, it's going to heat up, especially with Chris Sale possibly coming back, with uh, James Paxton coming back. Garrett Whitlock, Matt Barnes, what are they going to look like when they come back from injury? So you do have pitchers on your roster that have had some talent or do have talent. and But you're pitching very well right now. Plus your players, your position players are playing well right now. So it can be a little con deceiving that like, well, where is the need for improvement? Listen, contending championship winning teams make improvements every single year. You can never have too much talent in your World Series or just simple playoff bound push. So let's just go into the article. Plenty can change between now and August, but the Boston Red Sox currently look like a team that will be buying at the 2022 MLB trade deadline. They enter Thursday night with a 37-31 record, well now it's 39-31, and and while their odds of catching the red-hot New York Yankees in the division are slim, they are firmly contention for a wildcard spot. To assure they don't lose ground in the playoff hunt, they may have to address certain positions of need. Boston's most glaring needs are pitching, particularly in the bullpen, a first baseman, and a big bat in the outfield. The order of importance depends on who you ask. Regardless, they'll have some intriguing options when the August 2nd trade deadline comes around. And here are the top 10 potential trade targets for the Red Sox this summer. Number 10. Now, I don't know if this is an order uh, of importance from this guy's perspective or if they're just 10 names. I'm going to assume it's in some fashion of an order. But hey, I'll let you guys decide that. Let me know in the comment section on here on YouTube. 
or reach out to me via social media at Murph's Card Town with your thoughts and opinions about these 10 names that I'm about to go over. Number 10, Andrew Benintendi, outfielder, Kansas City Royals. Sorry, I had to have a dramatic pause. Don't rule out Andrew Benintendi reunion in Boston. The 2018 World Series champion is enjoying a solid season in Kansas City, slashing a 298 average, 363 on base, and 396 um, slugging. With three homers and 25 RBIs through 65 games, that's the kind of offensive production the Red Sox could use from their outfielders right now. Funny, you could have had them. Anyways, Benintendi might be the most realistic outfield option available this summer, but adding him would be a bit would be a bit redundant. The Red Sox already have plenty of left-handed hitting outfielders, including Alex Verdugo, Jackie Bradley Jr., Frenchie Cordero, who they acquired in the Benintendi trade, and Jaron Duran. It's more likely Boston adds a right-handed bat to the mix. Now, I will say this here on the side. If you can bring in Benintendi and replace him with, or have him replace Jackie Bradley Jr., 100% sign up for that, and then we can carry on. Number nine, Andrew Chafin, relief pitcher, Detroit Tigers. With the Tigers likely to sell at the deadline, Chafin stands out as a candidate to boost Boston's bullpen. The 32-year-old right-hander has been a bright spot in Detroit, sporting a 3.12 ERA to go along with a 1.15 whip and a bunch of other analytics in 17.1 innings of work. Um... His career ERA is 3.29 in 434 career appearances. Chafin has a player option for 2023, so potential team control there going into a potential year two if you bring in Andrew Chafin. Number eight, Daniel Bard, relief pitcher, Colorado Rockies. Bard has been an incredible story with the Rockies. He worked his way back into Major League Baseball in 2020 after having not pitched in the big leagues since 2013 with the Boston Red Sox. The soon-to-be 37-year-old has resurrected his career and been one of the most reliable arms out of Colorado's bullpen, posting a 1.98 ERA, a .99 whip, with 14 saves this year. A return to Boston would make Bard's story even more fascinating. Uh, just a side little story about him. He was uh, the up-and-coming guy in the Red Sox farm system, like the early 2000s. He was supposed to be the uh, like the closing heir to Jonathan Papelbon before he left at the end of the 2012 season, if I remember correctly, and Barr just could never figure it out. He they he was a killer relief pitcher. Then they tried to make him like a starter, and then they tried to make him a closer, and it just wasn't working out. And then after 2013, just never heard or seen from him ever again until he made his comeback with the Rockies in 2020. And he's been a, a great pitcher for them since. So a very cool story right there. I'd love to see him back in Boston, especially to make his career and his story full circle. Number seven, David Robertson, relief pitcher, Chicago Cubs. Robertson has been one of the most consistent relievers in the game for most of his 14-year MLB career. The 37-year-old right-hander is enjoying a fantastic season in Chicago as he's posted a 1.82 ERA, 1.05 whip in 22 appearances with 24 two-thirds innings. He has plenty of experience pitching in the American League East as he spent nine seasons with the Yankees and last year with the Tampa Bay Rays. Number six, Michael Fulmer, relief pitcher, Detroit Tigers. Fulmer never quite lived up to the hype after being named the 2016 
American League Rookie of the Season, but he's carved out a role as a rock-solid reliever out of Detroit's bullpen. The 29-year-old righty has a 2.16 ERA, a .92 whip through 25 appearances with 25 innings pitched this season. He'd be a rental as he's scheduled to become a free agent after the season, but he could end up being the relief pitcher the Red Sox are searching for. So again, some guy like this, 29 years old, he'll be 30 next season. Last year of his contract, rental, it's not going to take much to bring him in. Detroit Tigers would rather get somebody rather than nothing for him, especially in a lost year for themselves. I'm just scrolling down. Uh, Number five, Josh Bell, first baseman, Washington Nationals. I've been a big fan of Josh Bell real quick when he was with the Pirates coming up. Um, Obviously, he can play first. He can play a little of the corner outfield. He's a switch hitter. I think he's a dependable guy in the lineup. So let's just get into what the article has to say about him. The Red Sox just haven't been able to get consistency at the plate from their first baseman. So they may have to look for a Kyle Schwarber-like addition to the roster ahead of the deadline. Bell is no Schwarber, but he's a solid hitter who may come cheap as he's scheduled to hit free agency next winter. The switch hitter is slashing .294 average, 378 on base, and 476 slugging with 11 home runs and 44 RBIs for the lowly Nationals this season. Number four, Trey Mancini, first baseman, Baltimore Orioles. Another first baseman who can add some pop to the lineup. Mancini seems like an obvious hit, uh, obvious fit for Boston. He's a right-handed hitter who has hit 20 more homers in all of four of his full Major League seasons. The 30-year-old has a mutual option for 2023, so a little bit of team control there as well. Number three, Frankie Montas, starting pitcher, Oakland Athletics. It'd be a shock if Montas isn't moved ahead of the deadline as the A's dealt pretty much all of their valuable players before the 2022 campaign. Montas is one of their last real trade chips as they continue their rebuild. The 29-year-old righty was in the Cy Young conversation last year and has been solid this season with a 3.53 ERA, a 1.14 whip, and 14 starts. He'll be costly due to the talent and the fact that he has one more year of team control this season. As a side note, I would prefer to stay away from him due to the fact he's a starting pitcher, Tons of teams are going to be after starting pitchers. How many other starting pitchers are really going to be on the market? And plus, you don't want to get into a bidding war with potential other teams having to give up some good, true, real talent in order to get a year and a half out of Frankie Montas, where you do have some starting pitchers. You have a little bit of depth there. I don't think starting pitching is a big need at this moment. I'd rather see them go for a first baseman or a relief pitcher with their... um, their spending allowance at the trade deadline in terms of what they want to give up. Uh, let's see. But he, he is definitely a very good pitcher nonetheless. Number two, Luis Castillo, starting pitcher, Cincinnati Reds. If Montas is off the table, Castillo is another pricey starting pitcher option likely to be dangled at the trade deadline. Like Montas, Castillo is a 29-year-old uh, right-hander with filthy stuff. He boasts a 100-mile-an-hour fastball to pair with one of the most devastating changeups in the game it's a long shot the Red Sox would have to part ways with some of their top prospects but it could be worth worth it if he's on since he's under team control through 2023 again it'd be a great addition but again I just don't think it's worth it though to give up the price point and you just don't want him to flail out 
and just not be, you know, the guy you expect him to be, and then the trade looks like an absolute dud, uh, I'd rather just stay away. Go something cheaper, again, relief pitcher, first baseman, whatever, so you don't have to give up those talented prospects. And number one is David Bednar, relief pitcher, Pittsburgh Pirates. If you're dead set on the Red Sox adding a reliever, a reliever, Bednar is the guy to monitor. He may not be a household name, but he's one of the most or he's one of the best relievers in the league the last two seasons and could immediately slot in as Boston's closer. The 27-year-old righty has a 1.34 ERA, a .80 whip in 26 appearances, 33.2 thirds innings this year. The bad news is he's under team control through 2026. He's going to cost a pretty penny. And yes, I, I've been watching a little bit of Pittsburgh Pirates games here at the shop. Why? Don't ask, but I will tell you why. Because I'm a big fan of Cabrian Hayes. I really do like his potential here in the big leagues. And also been slowly keeping an eye on David Bednar as well. Um, Pirates are a little fun to watch. They have Michael Chavis, who you know I'm a big fan of. O'Neill Cruz obviously just got called up. So watching Pittsburgh Pirate games are a true pleasure here at the shop. But David Bednar... He comes in like the eighth inning to close the door, which is something a lot of, actually 99% of pitchers, uh, closers don't do anymore. Like, yeah, you might get a four-out save here and there just to wrap up the eighth inning and then go up for the ninth. But this dude will literally come in the seventh, in the eighth, and then still pitch in the ninth. And again, a save, a technical save is good over the course of three innings. So you can bring your closer in the seventh, have him pitch in the eighth and the ninth. And that's a save. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. But to have him come out in the eighth inning, have a little bit of length to his appearance, could be beneficial long term. Whether you're in a tricky spot in the uh, playoffs, say fifth, sixth inning, you just got to get out of it and get a couple innings. Same as a Garrett Whitlock or a Tanner Houck kind of a guy can go multiple innings. But having a closer be able to get eight out saves is ridiculous. And I'm a big fan of that. Again, he is under team control through 2026. That's crazy. That's 2023, 4, 5, and 6. That's four years 
four full years of complete control. So I bear the question, has this guy peaked uh, early in his young career? I mean, yeah, he's 27 years old, but relief pitchers take some time to come up through. I mean, he made his debut a couple seasons ago. So is he just looking good now because he's still fairly new and then as he matures and as his career gets older, will he flail out? That's a question that's got to be asked. I mean, having a guy under team control this versatile, this dangerous in terms of like a nice fastball and some good off-speed stuff is something to definitely keep an eye out. And again, Bednar, uh, Robertson, um, Daniel Bard even, Chafin, what was the other guy's name? Michael Fulmer are all guys to keep an eye out for the Red Sox and other teams as well because these guys are going to be highly touted players. The thing with David Bednar and the Pirates, they're a young team. They're rebuilding team control through 2026. They may not look to trade him, obviously, unless they get a crazy dumb package. But they may not look to trade him because he is under team control for so long and they may want to keep that long term. But hey, who knows? But those are 10 potential trade targets for the Red Sox. I'll just recap it real quick. Andrew Benintendi, Andrew Chafin, Daniel Bard, David Robertson, Michael Fulmer, Josh Bell, Trey Mancini, Frankie Montas, Luis Castillo, and David Bednar. If I had to pick one, which one did I really want the Red Sox to get? <sighs> Again, it's going to it's going to matter price point, of course. But let's just kind of in a vacuum. Uh, Bednar, maybe. Uh, I'd go Daniel Bard because I like the story. He's pitched in Boston before. He's pitching very well. He's going to be cheap. It would be a great story. But also, Josh Bell. I would really like Josh Bell here, who's had a pretty good season so far with the Washington Nationals. Uh, obviously, there's rumors that the Nationals could offload Juan Soto at some point, who's under team control for a few more seasons. What kind of return will that bring? If they offload Juan Soto by any stretch of the imagination, Josh Bell better be the next guy out. It'd be pointless to trade Soto and not Josh Bell, but I do see Josh Bell getting moved at some point between now and August 2nd. But I think him hitting near 300 has a little bit of pop with 11 home runs, can drive the ball, can drive guys in, 44 RBIs, plus he's a switch hitter. He can play first base. He can play the corner outfield. I think it's a win-win-win-win by bringing Josh Bell into Boston. I really, really do. I'd rather them bring in Josh Bell than a guy like Trey Mancini, if I am being completely honest. But those are my thoughts and my opinions about the top 10 potential Red Sox trade targets here as we approach the trade deadline on August 2nd this year. Um, was there any names that were missed from this list, this article, that you think the Red Sox should be focused on, a player that the Red Sox should be focused on, as we soon turn the page in June as we approach July and then eventually August 2nd when we hit the trade deadline. Reach out to me via social media, at Murph's Card Town. Leave your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns down below in the comment section here on YouTube as I'd love to read and reply to those as well. So let's stay on the topic of baseball here, but let's just broaden our perspective and let's look at MLB as a whole. And I kind of want to just breeze through each division and just kind of catch us all up to where these teams currently sit because I don't think I've done that since maybe April when the Red Sox were were struggling, but I wasn't all too worried about it at the time. Whereas we're obviously three months into the season, 
we can have a really good idea to see what teams are in it, what teams are out of it. Still tons of season left to go, but let's just catch ourselves up since we spent the last month plus just talking about the Celtics, and I think it'd be a fun time. So let's start in the American League East, of course, where we have the Yankees sitting atop of the totem pole at 52 and 18 as we enter play today on Friday, June 24th. They are 8-2 in their last 10 games, absolutely killing it. Aaron Judge is in full MVP mode, full $40 million a year mode uh, as he is a free agent at the end of the season, followed by the Toronto Blue Jays, who are 12.5 games back at 39-30. The Red Sox are right behind them at 39-31, 13 games back, who have finally surpassed the Tampa Bay Rays, who are 37-32. and and then the lowly Orioles, 39 and 39, uh, 32 and 39, excuse me. Now, there's going to be a small trend as we talk about some of these divisions. And there's the top, maybe a second team, and then there's just like everybody else. I just, I got an alert from ESPN just now that the Patriots restructured David Andrews' contract, creating $2.1 million in 2022 cap space by converting $3.15 million into a signing bonus well that's pretty cool good for Andrews good for the Pats it's a win-win all the way around so what are the Patriots going to do with an extra what three point with an extra 2.1 million dollars go get OBJ I don't <laughs> I don't know I don't know what their current cap space looks like at the current moment but what I was saying is like there's a the team at the top a second team maybe and then there's everybody else and that's kind of a small trend we'll notice a little bit as we move throughout the American League and then eventually into the National League. Guardians and Twins atop of the American League Central, followed by the White Sox, who were supposed to be the favorites out of that division. Four and a half games back, and then the Tigers and Royals sit uncomfortably 12 and 12 and a half games back, respectively, from the Guardians and the Twins. The American League West uh, looks pretty abysmal right now as you get the Astros 43 and 26. No surprise there that they're at the top. And then you have... The Rangers, 9.5 back. The Angels, 10.5 back. The Mariners, 12 games back. The Athletics, 21 games back. Like, that division is just not competitive by any stretch of the imagination. It's unfortunate. Uh, Obviously, we know the Athletics are completely rebuilding right now. They need to move, get a new stadium, do something. Actually, I don't want them to get a new stadium because the fans in Oakland are just non-existent. I have more people at my shop some days than the athletics do in home attendance. So they need to move. Uh, That's a conversation for another day. Maybe we can dive into it at some point in the near future. But the Mariners had a good season last year. Could they turn things around? The Angels started off hot. They've sizzled out. The Rangers are 6-4 and in the last 10. Are they going to make any noise? I don't know, but I am a little sick and tired of the Astros being at the top of the division every, every year because that division is just not competitive at all at least you can look at the american league east and say you have the yankees blue jays red sox and rays who are all above 500 all are expected to make the division uh not the division playoffs via wild card spot it's yeah yeah i mean what i don't know let's get to the national league before i really unvault a huge rant on you guys we got the mets atop of the national league east at 45 and 26 Braves follow them by four games, Phillies eight games, Marlins 11.5, and, and the Nationals 20.5 games behind them. 
the National League Central, you have the Brewers and the Cardinals tied 43 and 32 for the National League Central crown. Then you got the Pirates nine and a half games back, who may be sellers at the deadline, but they're not a true far shot away from being relatively competitive in the National League Central. I mean, the wild card is completely off the table because you have the the Braves, the Phillies, the Marlins, you have the the Padres, Giants, Diamondbacks, and even the Rockies all have better records. And I don't know what the the wild card race looks like in terms of game backs, but the Pirates would have to jump less teams in their division than in the wild card. So a potential story right there, but they'll probably be sellers because they're not truly in a comfortable spot to take the chance to buy. But then you got the Cubs 13 games back and the Cincinnati Reds 15 and a half games back of them. Got the Dodgers atop the National League West uh, just by one game over the San Diego Padres. Then you got the Giants five and a half, and then you got the Diamondbacks twelve and a half, and Rockies fourteen games out. So that is your current update for Major League Baseball's division standings across the league. Uh, let's Major League Baseball wild card stand. Let's check the wild card standings out here, shall we? Just to fully encompass ourselves and get us fully up to date so we don't miss anything. In the American League wildcard standings, you have the Toronto Blue Jays um, ahead of the Boston Red Sox. Red Sox are in second. And then you got the Twins right behind them as well. Ugh. For those of you top three wildcard spots, I don't know how I feel about three wildcard spots in all honesty. Um, it's nice to get more teams in the playoffs. But I think there's a better way to do it. I really do than having three wild card spots. You have three division winners and three wild card spots. I get that there's 15 teams in each league, and you want to have what would it be six teams make it. I guess that makes sense. But you know, just think back like 10 years ago, where it would be the three division winners and one wild card. That was it. Just one wild card. And only four teams. I guess at the time it was split 16 and 14, uh, National League, American League. Now it's 15, 15 teams. But that's crazy to think back that only four teams, only one wild card on top of the, uh, the three division winners would get into the playoffs. Then they bumped it to two. And now they have it at three. Very, very interesting. Crazy to think that. But Blue Jays, Red Sox, Twins own the three wild card spots. As it stands right now, as we enter play on Friday, June 24th, followed by the Rays at one game, and then it just kind of falls off a bit. The White Sox, four and a half, Rangers, four and a half, Angels, five and a half, and it just gets worse and worse and worse from there. Uh, again, I think baseball does have a big mediocrity problem where, I mean, the White Sox, they do have a good roster. They're just struggling, but they're 33 and 35. The Rangers, they signed Semyon, who's underperforming, and Seager. They're 33-35. and 35. Yeah, they made improvements this year, for sure, compared to last year, but that division is abysmal. I mean, the Angels, you just lost Rendon for the season. You have the best player in baseball, two, arguably the two best players in baseball, and you guys can't stop shooting yourselves in the foot. You brought in Noah Syndergaard to pitch this year for you from the Mets, and you're still 34-38. and 38. Like, <sighs> I don't know. I, I just think baseball is, I don't want to say top-heavy, because I don't think so, but there is a large chunk of mediocrity, and that could be a good thing, I guess, because Rangers weren't good last year, but hey, at least they're good this year. 
the Rays are good this year, but they may suck next year, whereas the Orioles could step in and be good. So I guess it could be a good thing. I would just like to see these divisional races just a little bit smaller. That's all. I would just like to see the divisional races just tighten up a bit. Uh, even in the wild card, I don't want to see the the Seattle Mariners seven games out when we get too deep in the season. I guess seven games out isn't bad. But when you got to jump the Orioles, the Angels, the Rangers, the White Sox, the Rays, that's five teams. And then you got to find a way to sneak into one of those top three wild card spots from the Twins, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays. So you have to arguably jump eight teams. Eight teams. Yeah, seven games back isn't terrible, but you got to jump eight teams. That's the tough part right there is you got to jump so many teams. Uh, it's just an issue that I've had. I wish the playoff format would be just a little bit different, if I'm being honest. How could it be different? Oh, man. I don't know. I don't want to see baseball go to like a basketball format where you have eight teams make the uh, make the playoffs top eight teams from each like conference so in baseball it'd be the top eight teams from each league I don't want to see that but that may be the only way to kind of help you know with the with the top heaviness with the mediocrity give teams a better chance who are like the the Mariners or like the Pirates because right now if it was like that You'd have the three division teams, six. The White Sox would be the eighth team in, making the Mariners only two and a half games back. So it would kind of help get more teams in the playoffs or give more teams a chance to make it to the playoffs. But now you're allowing 16 teams into the playoffs, and that's more than half the league, which I'm not a strong fan of. I don't want half the league in. If there was expansion and you bump up to 32 teams, then have 16 teams in because you have two additional teams. So half the, half the teams get in, half the teams don't. That makes sense in my mind. But the, right now, the way that basketball and hockey have it, where you're more than half the league, yeah, it's only by one team, but still, just doesn't make any sense to me. If, they, if baseball was to eventually get to 16-team playoff, shorten the regular season, Make that first series a best of five like you can do with the divisional. Uh, best of five, and then you go best of seven all the way through. But now you're really changing October. You're really completely formatting things differently. And I don't know how that would bode well. You know, I'm just kind of spitballing the idea. I've thought about it for a little bit. I could get around it if it's done correctly, but I don't know how the larger audience of baseball would take that. So that's my small little gripe with the wild card standings in the wild card format that they have at the moment um, where it's like the two and the three will play each other and then or I don't even know what baseball's format is right now I think like the best team in the the, uh, the league American League or National League will pick uh, from the wild card options to play I don't know I think it's just very stupid whatever let me get to the National League real quick you have the Padres uh, who are four games up on the field you got the Braves plus one and a half, and you got the Brewers and the Cardinals, both tied for the National League Central, both tied for the last spot in the wild card. So whoever gets the division will get the last spot in the wild card. Followed by the, the Giants at half game out, the Phillies two and a half out, and then it just kind of drops off a little bit. The Marlins six out, uh, Diamondbacks seven and a half out, Rockies nine, Pirates nine and a half. So like, 
the Marlins, they're not far out. They're six games out, but there's less teams for them to jump. Now, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Again, that goes uh, in the argument with Seattle. They're seven games out, but they have to jump eight teams to get that top spot or at least five teams just to get in. Or no, six teams just to get into the wild card spot. Whereas the the Pirates, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. They got to jump six teams as well. So it's just, it's a double-bladed sword, really. I mean, I could sit here one episode and just really break it down how I would like to see it. But then again, my opinion may mean nothing to Major League Baseball, and they may think nothing of it, really, because they're just going to do their own thing. And I wasn't a big fan of expanding the wild card to two teams when they first did back in like 2013, I believe it was. But that one-game playoff, that one-game play-in game, is so good. It's so fun because it gives you that NFL playoff vibe, that playoff uh, NFL playoff atmosphere where it's just any given Sunday, you know, this team has crawled back all the way, you know, 10 games out with a month ago. They're back in it. Uh, they just snuck in. And if they can win, they're in October. And it's just really exciting because teams have to play their uh, pitch, their best pitcher. Their hitters need to have their best game. And the managers have to manage the bullpen and the pitching staff like it's do or die, like it's life or death, because that's what it is. And I think baseball kind of going away from that this year with the third wildcard team kind of ruins that, that excitement that baseball needs. And I do strongly believe that baseball desperately needs more excitement. It needs more pizzazz. It needs more swagger. Players like Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, Jazz Chisholm, they're just really exciting for baseball for a casual fan to just really be like oh wow that's so cool but that's kind of like my little rant about baseball here as we wrap up today's episode and as we do wrap up today's episode i really want to appreciate everybody for downloading listening and enjoying murph's boston sports talk on all audio only platforms spotify apple google amazon wherever you can find your podcast you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk as well. So I greatly appreciate you downloading, listening, and enjoying. And if you listen to this video on YouTube, thank you so much for clicking on the episode. Please make sure you smash the thumbs up button if you enjoyed today's episode. Leave all questions, comments, concerns, anything down below in the comment section as I can't wait to read and reply to those. And also, please consider hitting that giant red subscribe button as I would greatly appreciate the love and support that way. You can reach me on social media at Merce Cartown, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And again, thank you so much for listening. I cannot wait to sit here on July 1st for episode number 149. I can't believe we're already going to be in July very, very soon. And I cannot wait. Enjoy the first full summer, uh, first full weekend of summer, excuse me. It's going to be very hot again. Feel free to come into Murph's Cartown Sports Shop to cool down. But I will catch you guys in the next one. But between now and then, you guys know that I love you. And I will always, always see you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.